Amen. Well, please go ahead and have a seat. Hey, thanks so much for being here with us today to worship God together. You've already picked up on the fact that this is a little bit of a different kind of service for you, and I'll get into that in just a minute. First of all, if you are new, welcome. We're glad you're here. Or if you're watching us online right now, thanks for joining us. Uh, We've had a lot of people watch online lately, and we're we're glad to have you here wherever you are. And I want to give you an update on me. Uh, So my name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here at First Free, and if you've been here with us, you know that I've been doing dealing with some health issues, and I will say that at the beginning of this week, it was pretty rough, and since then, it's just kind of gotten a little bit better each day, so that's why I'm up here without a stool, and yes, praise God. Thank you for your prayers. I'm so thankful for that, and it does seem like I'm on the mend, so it's a long recovery road, but uh, getting a little bit better all the time, and I am so thankful for that. Today is going to be a different kind of prayer service. As Stephen mentioned earlier, this is going to be one all focused on prayer. And we've done this several times here over the last few years. And it it always um, eludes different responses from different people, some of whom are excited about it, some of whom are not so excited about it, because it is a little bit different. It's a bit of an interruption in kind of the normal routine of what we do here. Um, But I want to talk a little bit about that, because prayer is one of those things that for some of you, it may just be a natural thing. It's a part of your life. It's something you do all the time. And so for you, maybe this service will just be an extension of that. And for others of us, prayer is something that is hard for us to do with consistency. And maybe we don't pray a lot unless we're like really in a time of crisis or something like that. And if that's you, my prayer for you today is that this service would kind of be like a catalyst or a launching pad to a season of a closer walk with God. Our goal today is to facilitate some space for you to draw near to God as you do so with other followers of Jesus. And so we want to kind of facilitate that for you today. Now, if this is something you're not used to, this might feel a little uncomfortable at times. It might be a little bit awkward, some of the things we're going to do in this service. I'm just warning you right off the bat, don't leave now, okay? But stick around. Trust me, I think you'll enjoy it. The the reality is we only grow when we're stretched. And so even though there may be some times where this is a little bit unusual to you, my challenge is to lean into it. Lean into it. Embrace the different. The differentness is good. I think when we're all done, we're going to say, okay, that was really good. It was different, but it was really good. Now, our prayer services tend to have somewhat of a theme to them, or there's a flow that we try to be very intentional about what we're doing. And our theme for today is based on something we've been talking about with our worship team the last few weeks, and that's the idea of interruption. How many of you just love to be interrupted? Raise your hand. All right, let's just try the other one, you know, just to see. How many of you don't like being interrupted? Anyone? I do not like being interrupted. Interruptions are one of my pet peeves, honestly. I really don't like it. And I don't know if this is right or not, but I feel like if you're someone who interrupts constantly, that tells me something about you. That tells me you're kind of self-absorbed because when you should be listening, all you're doing is thinking about what you want to say next so that at the earliest pause, you can blurt it out there. And that just comes across as immature and inconsiderate to me. And so I'm not a big fan of interruptions, but that's not all we're talking about today. We're not just talking about interruptions in conversation. We're talking about interruptions in life. When life throws you a curveball, something that you never expected, something with your health, with your marriage, with your kids, extended family, friends, job, school, whatever it is. Life throws you a curveball. And those interruptions, they can really rock our world. A couple of months ago, I had a big interruption, as most of you know, with some issues with my feet. That was back in early December. And then 
uh, back in early January, I started to have issues with my stomach because of the issues with my feet. It all sort of was a domino effect. And, and those were some big interruptions for me. And then this last week, I got an interruption when I took my truck in for an oil change. And uh, that oil change ended up costing me $1,700 because of five different things that had to be replaced on my truck. And it's still a lot cheaper than buying a new vehicle. So there you go. We're just going to keep it limping along. It's 15 years old and we'll get another 15 out of it or something. I don't know. Those interruptions in life can be real challenging for us. We certainly don't enjoy them. But maybe, just maybe, we could look at them through a bit of a different lens. I think interruptions are often viewed as the enemy of productivity. Like I was just moving along just fine, doing the things I needed to do, and then boom, I got interrupted, and now, oh, shoot, my productivity is gone. Or they're, they're uh, uh, an enemy of creativity. We can't think well because this happened, and this happened, and this happens, and it just kind of steals our time, and it steals our joy, and it makes us feel really uncomfortable, and it's irritating and frustrating. And some of those emotions are, are normal and, and, and healthy. There are times when an interruption needs to be grieved and mourned, and that's a biblical thing to do. But I think that there's another perspective we can take on interruptions that will really help us if we look at them not just as problems, but as opportunities. And so what I want to do today is take you to one of the parables of Jesus. It's a parable that I've taught on before. It's a parable I think Pastor John taught on a few years ago as well. But we're going to look at it through a fresh perspective today. The parable we're going to look at is the Good Samaritan. It's in Luke chapter 10 if you want to turn there in your Bibles. And the Good Samaritan is a story that probably all of us know fairly well. When I think of this story, the takeaways that I get out of it have something to do with being a good neighbor or Jesus opening the kingdom to all people, Jesus communicating that there shouldn't be prejudice in your life. It's the person you don't expect that ends up being the helpful, good person. It's the ones you think are better that end up not helping in this case. So it's a subversion of your normal way of thinking. And that's the normal way to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan, and, and that's all good. But Scripture has layers of meaning. And so you can always go back and read Scripture and find new nuggets of insight that can be valuable and are really there. We're not just trying to make something up and force it into God's word. This is really there, but it's something we may not see unless we approach it from a certain perspective. And that perspective is going to be from the three men who were on a journey doing just fine and then they got interrupted. And how did they handle those interruptions? That's sort of the lens we wanna see because sometimes interruptions are holy interruptions. Sometimes an interruption isn't a bad thing. It's actually a God thing. We just don't see it that way. We don't realize it. So maybe going through this parable today will help us have a little bit of a different perspective on our interruptions. Let's start in Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Luke 10, 30, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Now, I do want to be clear here. Um, interruptions are not always a good thing. This was not a good interruption for this man. This was a very bad thing. And it's okay for him to be very frustrated and discouraged by this. The Bible says there's a time to mourn. There's a time to be sad and to grieve. And that, that's okay. This wasn't a great thing that happened to him. But this man isn't even really the focal point of the story. He's just context. He's just the setup. The main part of the story is how do these three other men respond? Three other men who are on their way from Jerusalem to Jericho, probably going home from where they were working or for the Samaritan. Maybe he had some business there, whatever it was. And he's going along the journey. And all of a sudden, these three men are interrupted by a terrible sight. 
a man who is beaten up and bleeding and clearly near death. From a distance, you probably can't tell if he's alive or not. When you get up close to him, you can see his chest is moving. Okay, he's still alive, but he's near death, clearly. He's not gonna make it if he doesn't get help from someone. And Jesus is gonna show us these three people and how they respond. And the main point, of course, is is about loving your enemies uh, and and showing love to even people that you don't expect. And the fact that the kingdom is, is not exclusive to the Jewish people, that's a big part of what he's saying here. But there's another principle that we can see here about these unexpected interruptions in life. Three ways, three different men respond. The first one's in verse 31. In verse 31, we read this. By chance, a priest came along But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. So the first person is a religious leader. In fact, one of the top religious leaders. He's a a priest, a very special guy, prestigious, lots of authority and responsibility and prestige, lots of of social value. And one would think if anyone would do the right thing here, it it would be this guy, right? But he doesn't even get close to the man. He, he, he sees him from a distance. He crosses to the other side. He wants nothing to do with him. And so his response to this interruption is to ignore the interruption. And when we ignore a holy interruption, when we see a chance to help someone or do some good, but we try to avoid it and just put it out of our mind, we don't even get close to it. We see it from a distance. Maybe there's a chance to do some good, but I don't want to be bothered by it. I don't want to be inconvenienced by it. I don't have the time. I'm already late to a meeting. I can't help out with this. And so whatever that inconvenience was, I'm going to stay as far away from it as possible because I just want to avoid it and ignore that interruption. James 4, 17 says, remember, it is a sin to know you, what you ought to do and then not to do it. And so this priest is sitting by seeing a potential opportunity to help someone and then crossing to the other side of the road so that he has nothing to do with it. He probably didn't know if the man was alive or dead from the distance that he saw him. He just wanted to stay as far away as possible. He doesn't know if this is a person that he maybe knows. Is this a friend that this has happened to? Doesn't matter to him. He wants to stay as far away as possible. Probably because if the man is already dead and he gets close and he stumbles and he falls and he accidentally touches this man, now he becomes unclean. And now he has to go through the process of ritual bathing and cleansing to be ceremonially clean again. And that's not the end of the world. It happens. It was a normal thing that would happen, um, but it's inconvenient, especially if you're a priest with duties at the temple. So he has to, you know, reschedule some things and make sure he's able to go through the process of purification before he ends up going back to his job responsibilities. And so because of that inconvenience, he's not even willing to explore the possibility that this interruption might be an opportunity to do something good. He just ignores the interruption. The next person Jesus introduces us to is very similar. He's a temple official. He's a Levite. The text is going to call him in our version an assistant, and he is a temple assistant. He assists the priest, but that's not a low-level position. He could be a prominent temple leader and teacher and involved in some key things as a Levite in the temple. Here's what Jesus says about him in verse 32. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. So the Levite is more curious than the priest. At least he gets close to him. He's willing to inspect and see. Maybe he's checking to see, is this someone I know? Could this be a friend of mine, a relative, someone that I want to care about and help? But he gets close enough to him probably to see that he's still alive, to see that, okay, he is in fact breathing, but he's near death and I, I can't be bothered with this. I don't, want to, I don't want to help this man. I don't want anything to do. I've got, I've got dinner waiting for me at home. I need to keep on going. I am not going to allow this interruption to ruin my night. And so he literally leaves the man to die on the road. 
His response to interruption is to reject the interruption, not just ignore it or avoid it from afar. He actually got close enough to see what was going on, close enough to see the man was still alive and still chose to walk away. We reject a holy interruption when we have a clear path and resources to do unexpected good, but choose to walk away without caring, maybe because of our prejudice or our selfishness. The Levite probably got close so he could see who it was. When he sees it's no one connected with him, he decides, I'm not going to help. If it was a friend, if it was a relative, I'm sure he would have jumped in there and helped the man. He was close enough to see that it wasn't anyone he cared about. And so he just completely rejected that opportunity to do good and to help. And I'm not sure which is worse here. The priest that ignored him ahead of time without even getting close or the Levite that got close and then still walked away. They're both pretty bad. There are times in our lives where God gives us unexpected opportunities to care for people and bless people and we just ignore it or we get close enough to see what we could actually do to help and we actually walk away and reject it. I've done that in my life. I'm ashamed to say it, but there have been times where I knew to do good and I walked away just like these two men did. So the first man ignored it. The second man rejected it. Now for the third man. Verse 33, then a despised Samaritan came along. We've talked a lot about Samaritans here the last few years. You're probably very familiar with how they were not loved by the Jewish people. When he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Remember, Jesus said this was a Jewish man that was along the road. Now this Samaritan man, they did not get along, has compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Of all the people to be the hero of this story, a Samaritan, this was shocking to this Jewish audience to think that their highly respected priest would not help the man. And the Levite who was used to serving in the temple would not serve this man, even though he got close. And now the Samaritan not only gets close, but he decides to get down and touch him. And clean up his wounds and use his own resources to help him. And then he puts the man on his own donkey so that he can transport him. And he's going to walk the rest of the way, the Samaritan. He did everything to help this man because his response to the interruption was to embrace it. To embrace the interruption. We embrace a holy interruption when we see it as a divinely appointed opportunity. To grow or to help others or both. Samaritan was willing to be interrupted, not just because it was a good cause, not just because he heard a sermon about helping people, not just because it was a great opportunity to snap a selfie while he was cleaning up the man and post it on the gram so everybody would know what a great guy he is. He did it, Jesus says, because he felt what? Compassion for the man. This came from the heart. He had a genuine desire to help even if nobody ever heard about it because he felt compassion for this man. And even though he was interrupted, and even though he had dinner to get to, and a family to get home to, and things to attend to, and this was gonna mess up his night, and maybe the next couple days, he decides, I am going to embrace this interruption as an opportunity to help this man. For us, this prayer service is an interruption. It's an interruption in our series in the book of Acts that we've been walking through, but it's a, it's a planned one. It's one that we think is important every now and then to interrupt our routines, 
to mix things up a little bit and change the, the format to just sort of wake us up and help us remember, hey, there are things that are supposed to be a part of our lives. Things that God wants to be close to us in that maybe we forget in the consistency of routine sometimes. We need those healthy and holy interruptions in our lives. And when we are interrupted with unexpected opportunities, we can't just see them as negative things, but as things that the God of the universe, the sovereign God, has allowed to take place in our lives. The interruptions that you faced this week, God allowed those to happen. So that changes the question from, oh no, what am I going to do now? To, huh, why did God allow this in my life? Could this be a holy interruption? Could this be an opportunity for me to grow? Could this be an opportunity for me to do good for someone else? And it just changes our perspective about how we handle those interruptions. Will you ignore them? Will you reject them? Will you embrace them as perhaps not a bad thing, but a God thing, an opportunity that he puts before you? The rest of this service, we're gonna have three times focused on prayer. And there'll be times dedicated to three different kinds of prayer. We're gonna have a time for confession and a time for gratitude and a time for prayer for those who are hurting and who have needs and, and need comfort. We're going to start with a time of confession and we're gonna do that with communion. So I'll invite our communion servers now to join me at the front. For the next few minutes, as we hand out these elements, I wanna encourage you to search your heart and ask God to search your heart and reveal any areas where there might be sin that needs to be confessed to him. There's been sin in my life this week that I need to confess to him and have confessed to him. It could be something just in your head, your thoughts. It could be some actions that you've taken or not taken, knowing to do good and choosing not to do it, not embracing the holy interruptions that God has provided you this week. It could be something that you've said or not said. The Bible promises in 1 John 1, 9 that if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins and he will cleanse us from unrighteousness. It's not on us to do the cleansing. Praise God, because we can't do it. He promises to do it for us, but we have to invite him in and turn it over to him. There is action required on our part where we confess our sins to him. So as we get ready to take communion together, use this time to confess your sins to God and prepare your heart for this. We're gonna pass some trays through the pews. And if this is your first time with us, you'll need to know that there's a stack of two cups. You'll take the whole stack out. The bottom cup is the bread. The top cup is the juice, representing the body and the blood of Jesus. And we'll start with the bread. So you'll wanna separate those when you get those. If you need a gluten-free wafer, it's available in the middle of the tray. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can just let this pass you by. This is really just for those that have said, I am a follower of Jesus, I have trusted in Jesus, and no one's gonna think any less of you if you just don't participate, because this is really only for those who have given their life to Jesus Christ. If you're watching us online right now, you may wanna pause the video so that you can go get something to represent the body and blood of Jesus, maybe some bread and some juice or water, or something like that, so that you can take this with us. Spend a few moments after we pray and let's confess our sins to God and prepare our hearts. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your body which was broken for us, for your blood which was shed for us. Lord, we remember your sacrifice now and, and why you did it, so that we could be free from sin. And we know that on this earth, none of us are free from sin now completely. We're free from the penalty of sin. We're free from the control that sin has over our lives. We have a hope beyond sin, but we still struggle. We still need to confess that sin to you. So Lord, we do that now. We confess our sins. We invite you 
to not only forgive us, but to cleanse us, Lord. We surrender to your work to cleanse us from those sinful thoughts and words and actions, those sins of omission where we know to do something good and we don't do it, Lord. Please help us to grow. We need you, Lord. And we thank you for your sacrifice that makes it all possible. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. I believe that everyone has been served. And so we're going to start with the bread. I'll read from Mark chapter 14, which says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take it for this is my body. Let's take the bread together. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. Let's take the cup. Amen. We have so much to be grateful for. Most of all, we, we have the all-sufficient sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's what we remember today. We remembered it just now as we took his body and his blood. And as we reflect on what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross, hopefully it moves our hearts to a place of gratitude. It's amazing how much the Bible talks about being thankful. I love Psalm 100 verses four and five. It says this, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise and give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Being thankful is, is a great way to enter God's presence. And it's also a great way to respond to all that he has done for us in prayer. So, so in our busyness, in our challenges, in our struggles, pausing to say thank you to God can be a really powerful, holy interruption, as Adam used that phrase earlier. So let's take a few minutes right now just to practice this holy interruption of telling God thank you. So would you gather with just a handful of people around you, just as you're sitting, turn around and spend a few minutes thanking God for all that he has done in your life. Praise him for maybe the gifts that he has given you. Praise him for who he is. Praise him for the gift of salvation. I was a pattern maker for 30 years. It was the best job I ever had. Each pattern has probably, I don't know, 40 pieces and they have to all fit together. So it was very detail oriented. I loved it. As a pattern maker, I learned a lot of lessons about faith. I found out that I had cancer and they took me to the ER. And once I was there, I found out that I had a brain tumor. When I found out about the diagnosis, I did feel really scared. And what I did was 
I prayed. I prayed. I told the Lord I did not want to be fearful, and He honored that. I wasn't scared at all after that. God would never give me something that uh, would not be for my benefit. The benefit to me is the fact that He loves me and He cares for me and I can hang on to Him for all I'm worth. And I know that sounds strange. Why would He give you cancer? But that's the way He works. Every day, morning and night, I read my Bible and I pray, ask the Holy Spirit to be my voice, to be the one that's uh, giving me the words. I can't hardly say anything, but the Holy Spirit uses his voice to help me. God tells us to glorify him even through cancer. And that seems impossible, but it isn't. My source of hope was when I knew that he had said that I will not leave you or forsake you. The verse, John 11, 4, says, The sickness will not end in death. No, that is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified. Amen. Amen. How, how, how can I not do this? know that I need to be thankful for my cancer. I know that um, because he told me that it was going to be for his glory. His glory. How could that be? If you're going through suffering, don't give up hope. He is right there next to you. He wants to hold your hand no matter what you're going through. I first heard about Jane and 
the struggle she was enduring during the pandemic, and I was looking for people that'd be willing to do interviews since we couldn't get together in person, at least not a lot of us, and a lot of people were still watching online. I wanted to, to bring videos of people in the church who could share and, and give testimonies of faith in God's work in their lives, and so I reached out to Jane and asked if she would be willing to share her experience in an interview, and that was a big step of faith for her. But she had been praying for a way that God could take what she was enduring, which if you hear her describe everything she had to do in all of the treatment, it was, it was terrible suffering that she went through for the cancer. But she had been praying for an opportunity that God would turn around and use it for good. And, and so even though I think every fiber of her being did not want to do an interview, she, she stepped out in faith and said yes, because maybe this is how God's gonna use this to be a blessing to other people. And, and she did it, and it was great, and we showed it here in the service, and John Morgan saw it and said, hey, what if, we, what if we take that to the next level and go out to our house? And once the pandemic had started winding down, he did that and produced that amazing testimony to a life of faith. Jane mentions at the end of her video there that passage where Jesus says, this sickness won't end in death, but it's for God's glory. And Jesus, of course, was talking about someone who, who actually would not die physically, but a miracle would happen. But you know, for those of us that believe in Jesus, physical death here is not the end anyway. It's not real death anyway. It just means being absent from our body here and present with our Lord Jesus. And so Jane today is with her savior and she has no more treatments, no more pain, no more symptoms, just life eternal with the Father. And she's praising God and celebrating today. But then there are many of us who are here who are hurting, who are struggling, who need the hope that Jane struggled with at times, but ultimately found in the Lord. And God gives us each other so that we can lift each other up and bear each other's burdens and pray for each other when we're going through those difficult times in life. God allows those struggles, those interruptions, so that we can grow through them and so that we can bless others through them. And he gives us each other so that we can help each other through those difficult times. So our last time of prayer today is going to be for those who are hurting, for those who need healing, for those who need comfort, for those who have requests. And hopefully when you came in today, you were handed or you managed to pick up one of these prayer cards this is where these prayer cards come in. We've saved a little bit of time here at the end of the service and there are pens in front of you in your seats for you to write down a request. It could be big, it could be small. It could be small, but it feels really big. Whatever it is, I wanna encourage you to write down a prayer request and then we're gonna give you a chance as some music plays softly in the background when you're done writing to bring this card to one of the tables around the auditorium. And if you didn't get a card, there are cards in the back that you can grab. Write down your prayer request and bring it. There are two baskets at each table. One basket is for these cards to go on our prayer wall in the lobby. And we go by that regularly and pray for those requests. And our elders and prayer team will pray for those cards as well. The other basket is if you don't want your prayer card put up on the prayer wall, but just to be prayed for by the elders and prayer team, that's what the other basket is for. Either way, you don't have to put your name on here. You can leave it anonymous. There's a spot on here if it does go on the prayer wall for people to initial when they pray for it and put the date on there so that we can know, yes, this prayer request has been prayed for by multiple people. 
It's one way that we can care for each other in the body of Christ. Also during this time, our elders and staff and other prayer team members will be positioned around the auditorium. Most of them have some kind of a name badge or lanyard on, and they're there to pray for you. They knew this was coming. And so if there's something you'd like prayer for today, please just walk up to them and say, can I get prayer for whatever it is? And they'll pray for you. Maybe you know of someone else in the room right now who is hurting, who who needs healing, needs prayer for something. Just approach them and use this time to pray for them. Let this just be the body of Christ caring for each other in a little bit. We're gonna close with a final song, but it'll be a soft song. If you wanna keep praying during that, that is fine too. Go ahead and take a moment. If you need a card, they're in the back. Write down a prayer request and when you're ready, bring it to one of the baskets and drop it in and then pray for each other.